This episode is brought to you by PitchDMM, the football fan app that gives fans a voice and allows you to rate your team, the players, and pick your formation and your squad in real time, every game, and compete with your mates. Have fun whilst generating a voice that will be listened to. Your club, your voice, be heard. Get it now on Google Play and download it on the Apple App Store. You are listening to an official podcast from Kings of Europe, your football link to the European Super Leagues. Welcome, everyone, back to the Kings of Europe. This is your inside track to all of the European Super Leagues. And today we're going to focus a little bit, uh, not much of an agenda. Uh, we are really in the dead period between the kind of World Cup ending and the start of the, the various seasons. So we're going to talk a little bit today. We're going to focus on the Bundesliga and talk about what's been going on in the world of German football Trans, the big transfers in, the transfers out, maybe those that haven't happened yet and those that, that, um, that we think could, could happen. And uh, obviously, Germany's got four teams in the Champions League, as always. And we're going to talk a little bit, focus probably our attention mostly on those to see what those teams did to strengthen themselves as they head into what I think, and we'll find out what my guest thinks here in a minute, a crucial Champions League season for Germany because it has not gone very well for the Bundesliga in Europe over the past few seasons, especially last year. Uh, last year was a, uh, basically Bayern carried the entire league. Uh, Dortmund had a, I would say, a very disappointing out to uh, RB Salzburg in the Europa League. You know, last year, no Leverkusen, no Schalke. Uh, Schalke's back this season. I think they have a lot to prove. Uh, luckily, we have uh, an expert on Schalke with us, and I feel like to a certain extent he is becoming sort of a, a one of my co-hosts here, like uh, him and Richard, <laughs> uh, because they have been on quite a bit, and we love them here at Kings of Europe because uh, they offer very insightful stuff, and 
you know, when it comes to the Bundesliga and Serie A, which are near and dear to my heart, um, and of course, many of the listeners, we, we have we have two experts here who can talk a little bit about the Royal Blues as well as a little bit about both of those leagues. So at this time, I welcome in my friend from the FC Schalke podcast, Jack. How are you doing tonight, buddy? Yeah, kind of slipping into those co-hosting duties. We got to talk about my paycheck, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, wait. Oh, yeah, we need to get your uh, W-9 filled out so you can start getting, <laughs> so you can start, but hey, you better pay those taxes now. You know, uh, they're going to be coming looking for you if I, if I start uh, filling some stuff out for the IRS, so. Well, thanks uh, for having me back on. How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm sipping on this um, this Belgian triple from Pisgah Brewery up in uh, Asheville, so I'm doing quite, quite great myself. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, it's a 9.3 percenter, uh, very smooth, has that... Um, how should I say that 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 typical Belgian triple, you know, not a double, not a quadruple, a triple, <laughs> just right in the middle there. It hits the, it hits the sweet spot. So, uh, yeah, the Belgians do two things really great. They have a great football team and they make great beer. Can't argue with that. Absolutely. Well, uh, let's, let's let's jump right in because I was, um, you know, we're talking about the Bundesliga and you know, a, a league that you and I follow very closely. And I just, uh, you know, some of the transfers either that have happened or lack of happening this offseason have been quite, quite astonishing. And I, I, I want to start with uh, Bayern, Bayern Munich because their management, so Uli Hernes and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge have come out and they just really have been, they've had this stance since the end of last season that we're not buying anybody. We got Leon Goretzka. Uh, that deal was made back in the winter transfer period. They basically, well, either around that time or shortly thereafter, you're more of an expert on when it actually happened than I am. But Goretzka basically decided he is done with Gelsenkirchen. He is leaving to go to the evil empire. And so that that was that. And the only thing that's really swirled around Bayern are major exits. Lewandowski to Real Madrid, Arturo Vidal to Inter Milan, and of course, Jerome Boateng to Paris Saint-Germain. So I got to ask you, Jack, is this with, 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 with what little they have done, and it has been very little, I will say that they are getting back on loan from Hoffenheim, Serge Gnabry. So that is something else that I, you know, he's a good player. I don't know if he's at, what should I call it? Should we call it at Bayern's level? Is, he, is, that, is that an appropriate term to use at Bayern level? <sighs> He might be. Um, I thought he played pretty well last season in, in, in the minutes that he had. Uh, I mean, he definitely has a lot to prove. Uh, he's bounced around a little bit early in his career, but he's still somebody that a lot of people feel have has quite a high ceiling. So I guess we'll kind of have to see how it goes. But uh, I, I think I'd give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's going to be a good contributor there. So based on what they've based on what they've brought in and, and what they could potentially have going out, so is this... This team is obviously getting no younger. Uh, this is a team that has tried to win a Champions League title since they last won it in 2013. And they've come up short uh, in the semifinals, what is this, uh, four times now? 2014, 2015, 2016? Yes. Uh, so four semifinal appearances in the last five years. That's great, but they, they've sort of become the, the cursed team when it comes to the semifinals, and it's the Spanish teams in particular, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, that seem to have their number. Has Bayern done enough with Goretzka and getting Gnabry back on loan to 
because let's make, make no mistake about it. The, the, the Bundesliga, winning the Bundesliga for them is, 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 is not a thrill anymore. It's, it's Champions League or bust. Is this team even, are, are they, are they going to contend for the Champions League this year? I, I can't see it happening. I mean, they haven't been recently, and if anything, they're you know have the potential to get a little bit less dangerous with the moves that you've already mentioned. Uh, Douglas Costa, that's that's permanent now, so he's at Juve. He's Correct. not coming back. Yep. Um, I mean, the, the, really, the only people they've brought in, as you said, uh, you know, are Sanchez back from one. Oh, well, that might be um, actually that might actually that might actually hurt them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how he performs. Right, that was somebody who had a very kind of meteoric rise and then was out of the picture almost as quickly as he got into it. But uh, yeah, Sanchez, Nabry, Leon Goretzka, and, and then, you know, the wonder kid, Alfonso Davies. But I don't think you look at any of those moves and say, oh, that's exactly what Bayern needed to get over the hump finally. Um, I mean, none of those are bad pickups, but uh, particularly if uh, Arturo Vidal ends up departing and there's been a lot of noise that he might even have a, a deal with Barcelona done mm-hmm. today. That's what I was seeing all afternoon. Um, there's also been some rumors, I don't know how much stock you take in these, that there might be some sort of Martial Boateng swap happening between Manchester United and and Bayern. And yeah, I mean, with, with unless they do something, uh, I think it's probably going to end pretty similarly to how it's been ending for them in recent years. They're going to probably be in the quarterfinals, probably in the semifinals. And then from there, you know, they're just not going to quite make it over the hump. So if they effectively, if they sell Boateng, then their center back pairing, then unequivocally becomes Niklas Sule and Matt Hummels, right? Yeah, which is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, I think Niklas Sule is a phenomenal talent. But where's the squad depth? No, I mean, yeah, that, that's a fair point, definitely. With all the competitions they're going to be involved in as well, uh, that could be a problem. So, I mean, Sule was an excellent guy to come in off the bench or start the app, you know, if you have the game... Uh, such as if you were playing this in this, let's 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 talk about this season. He would be a great player to play, like uh, uh, FC Nuremberg or against uh, Mainz. You know, somebody who you can burn some minutes on. That way, you preserve Boateng or Matsumo's legs, and you have a fresh, world-class, uh, former world champion center back at at your disposal come the Champions League. But now they don't they don't have that. Is it the quality drop off if if uh, you know Boateng departs? Uh, I don't have Bayern's depth chart in front of me right now, but I can tell you that they don't have another Niklas Sule on the bench after him. If Boateng leaves, that to me leaves a, a gaping hole, especially not in the starting 11, but certainly as far as it pertains to their squad depth. I think that, you know, if you have to go three or four deep, which sometimes you do if you're playing, obviously, uh, Deutsche Pokal, then you're playing Bundesliga, and on top of that, Champions League. Uh, you know, Liverpool sitting here, for example, talking about, we only have five center backs. And so, <laughs> you know, and so if, if Jurgen Klopp's worried about uh, squad depth at center back with five, then, you know, if Bayern were to lose Boateng, I think that would be a, 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 an enormous loss. And the one thing I'll say about Vidal, you mentioned, you know, Inter has nine goal on. They signed him this offseason. And Vidal, yeah. Vidal is, is kind of the same, uh, not the exact same player, but the same archetype, if you will. So that move makes no sense. So a, a move to Barca actually sounds like it could make a little bit more uh, sense in, in, in the practicality of uh, the player type. So I'd say if they lose him, you know, he's your enforcer. That, that's a guy who, you know, obviously he's not a finesse player, but he's the guy uh, that, that is, is, is your, your midfield enforcer. And I think 
losing him. And 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 Byron is very has been very flippant about it. I mean, almost with an arrogance. I, I I've read so many comments from from their sporting director and also from you know Hernes and Rominegger always uh, making comments. They're never uh, once to shy away from the media, and they act like uh, you know it's no big deal. So Jack, is that a big deal? I think it. Okay, there's some people that have said recently that maybe Vidal's like lost a step or two. Right. He is 31. He's definitely, you know, kind of entering the back end of his career here. But I mean, this is a guy who at his best is absolutely a world-class player um, and has a skill set that I don't know if anybody else in the Bayern duplicates at this point. Certainly not like Leon Goretzka. That, I mean, that they just brought in. That's not really a comparable player in my mind so uh yeah i wouldn't be as flippant about it as Bayern has been um maybe they're kind of taking the stand that you know that this club is bigger than any one individual player and i mean it probably is but uh, sure. you also need to you know uh replace these guys so i mean like yeah and look talking about the center back situation who are you rotating in there javi martinez at center back because he's a little bit versatile but like i don't think anyone feels that great about that right it's yeah it's been kind of a strange strangely quiet summer for them and um i don't really know what their end game is here i mean maybe they'll surprise us and go on some great champions league run but uh, i think the expectation for them would be you know maybe as good as they did last year if not a little bit worse than that so it'll be interesting to follow i I wouldn't worry about them too much in terms of the bundesliga obviously but the champions league is a different let's let's um Let's talk about that real quick as it pertains to the Bundesliga. We have not seen Manuel Neuer play in a Bayern shirt in quite a long time. We saw him play in the World Cup. And I don't know about you, but but I, I did not see the same Manuel Neuer that I saw two years ago, three years ago. Has Manuel Neuer lost a step? And if he has, is that... You know, he's a guy who can get you an extra 10 points a season just based off of his play. Do, do you do you see, do you think that, do you think that Manuel Neuer is perhaps, not necessarily a liability this year, but is he going to be a question mark for Bayern going into match day one? No, not for me. Okay. Um, I, understand, I understand what you're saying as far as the World Cup goes. And this could be my old shackle bias, right? Because I still have a soft spot in my, in my heart. But, Never forget uh, what he did to you, damn it! Never yeah. forget. Don't, don't tell yeah, me. <laughs> at least we got money for him. At least we sold him. Yeah, true, true. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm more Goretzka. We just <laughs> let him walk. Um, uh, Manuel Neuer, you know, he, he doesn't play all season long, and then he hops right into the World Cup, which obviously it's not the highest level of football, but there's a lot of pressure in those games. Right. You know, probably more so than even in the Champions League. So, I mean, that's a big ask for him. Uh, did he look his best? No, he didn't look his best, but did he look bad or not good enough to start for Bayern? I don't know. And then, you know, after you get a, a training camp in and, you know, a little bit of an off season and he's, he's still, you know, coming back to fitness fully because he was a question mark for the world cup, right? He wasn't even necessarily, he was, they uh, were looking at Ter Stegen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I know that you think that they should have started Ter Stegen, but you know, he's had an, an extra couple months to, or a month, I should say, to uh, to get his fitness up even higher and kind of get back into the swing of things. And I wouldn't worry about it too much. Uh, if he somehow became a liability or went from being the undisputed the best goalkeeper 
in Germany to somebody who's kind of like barely cracking the top five, I would be shocked personally. I mean, he's only 32, which by goalkeeper standards is not crazy. Um, obviously, you'd prefer him to be a little bit younger, but I think he's still got a number of years left in him. Um, I'd say probably at least three solid, solid years where he's considered, you know, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. And uh, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I don't see it yet. So let's the last two points on Bayern, and we'll move on because uh, uh, we have we have a few teams to talk about. Uh, the, the the Lewandowski rumors to Real Madrid. I don't think it's going to happen this summer, but they don't go away. They seemingly they they stick around every year, and he he gets this uh every year towards the end of the season, whether you know at the point where Bayern is is sort of on on the verge of being eliminated from the Champions League. So maybe they've lost the semifinal and it looks like they could be on their way out or, you know, Bayern's wrapped up the Bundesliga in February or March. It seems like there's always these rumors swirling around Robert Lewandowski and this, this dream of his to play for the Los Blancos. So is that, is, is there going to come a point where that is just a massive distraction and maybe even Lewandowski himself sort of resides at the fact that, you know, I'm done here. I I, I want to move. I, you know, do, do you, do you see that as possibly impacting Byron's front line as far as, because it, it, him being mentally sharp is crucial to their, to their success. And I, you know, so is that something for them to worry about these, these constant Real Madrid rumors that just don't seem to go away? Maybe the first couple games of the season, the last couple games of the season, as you approach those big windows or, and are just leaving those windows. But uh, I think once you get into the heat of the season, I think he'll be just fine. But, you know, as, as an observer of it, it's definitely kind of getting old at this point. It's kind of a shit or get off the pot situation for me. Um, you know, if you if you really want to force a move, force a move. It's not as if he can't do that. Everyone's doing that these days. It seems like whenever a football player is done playing for their team, they pretty much get what they want in every situation. So um, I would be shocked if a player of his caliber couldn't pull that off. Um, and, uh, you know, from Bayern's perspective, there's all these jokes going around, right, that he can't score late in tournaments and in important games. Maybe that's what they need to get over the hump and beat Real Madrid is just give him to Real Madrid and he won't score for them instead. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I like that logic, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, obviously he'd be a big loss. He's, you know, one of the very best at his position in the world, if not the best. You know, some people would say that. And um, for me, from the Schalke perspective, and I'm sure from your Dortmund perspective, you wouldn't mind if he uh, dipped and went elsewhere. No, no. I mean, I still think Robert Lewandowski is a world-class player. I, but I, I think that he, he, they're very dependent on him. And he's... Uh, you know, multiple time, I believe, multiple time, 30 goal scorer in the league. So they're, they're very dependent upon him. And honestly, they really don't have a solution as, as, as a, you know, long-term replacement for him right now on that, on that squad. So if, if he were to leave or if he mentally checks out, then they could, they could be in, in big trouble. And I, and I don't, I think he's a professional. So let me make that clear. I don't think he will mentally check out. Also it, 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 you know, I just don't think that that's the kind of player he is. I think Lewandowski has um, too much respect for the club and the game that you know if he if he wants to leave he'll 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 get a conversation going on, on you know on leaving. But they really need him. That that is that is their if you will um, that's their honeypot and they really need him. So I uh, you know 
I, I, I don't see many options, uh, especially this late in the game. If he were to depart right now, I don't know what, what Byron would really do in that situation. I, I don't either. Maybe you swap him for Benzema. Oh, people, uh, I mean, Real Madrid hates Benzema, or at least some of the fans. Do. Yeah, some of the fans do. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I think you're right. I think Bayern is, has a lot of midfielders and a lot of players that you'd kind of more comfortably define as wingers. Um, and there really isn't, I mean, because you're not going to call, uh, you know, Thomas Muller a replacement for Lewandowski in that in that sense either. So no, he's um, not. He's not. He's not a traditional number nine. No matter exactly, how. That's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, not, yeah. He's kind of one of those hybrid guys. He can kind of you know float around that entire. Sometimes out the wing. Sometimes kind of a center attacking mid position. Sometimes in the striker role. Um, yeah. It's it, it, like I said. It, it's just been a weird summer for Bayern for me. Uh, this is a team that I'm used to just kind of grabbing everything in sight. And it seemed like they were going that direction, you know, when everything started off with Goretzka early into the Rook Rundup, but that all kind of went out the window pretty quickly, and it's been more about uh, the departures than it has been the arrivals. So last question on Bayern, Jack. Uh, they are getting rid of, well, getting rid of is a harsh word, uh, the retirement of legendary Joop Heynckes, Champions League winner, multiple-time Bundesliga winner, treble winner. He is a, an all-time great uh, World Football Hall of Famer. And they were replacing him with DFB Pokal winning Bayern Munich beating Nico Kovac. They obviously, Frankfurt beat Bayern 3-1 in the DFB Pokal final last season to slaughter the Giants. They, they uh, uh, were able to, to beat the uh, evil, evil empire in, 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 in a, a place where Bayern doesn't often lose. Dortmund's tried many times and they have uh, ended that journey very unsuccessfully. Frankfurt, though, with Antti Rebic. Able to do the deed. So, obviously, it takes a lot of times, you know, for managers to get into a position, a, a good amount of time for them to, to, to become comfortable and familiar with, with the squad. And, and, you know, you can, you can preseason all you want, but you really don't get the feel for where things are going with, with a manager and a, and a club until the, the, the season starts and you start to, to get some games under your belt. And Byron had a uh, tumultuous start last season. You know, it wasn't six, seven match days in. They're five points behind Dortmund. Uh, of course, Carlo Ancelotti gets the axe and they lose to PSG away 3-0 in the Champions League. And that was his ultimate undoing. And it looked like, you know, the early, oh, Dortmund's going to win the league. You know, Dortmund, you go ahead and crown him on match day seven. I'm thinking this is like just utter stupidity. But... This time around, they don't have. I don't think Joe Pinkus is going to be there for them to fall back on. So, this is Nico Kovac or bust, right? It is. Uh, I would be shocked if Nico Kovac gets the axe uh, at some point in the middle of his first season, unless Bayern is way, way, way down in the table as we approach Christmas or something like that. Uh, I think they view him as something of a long-term solution. I'm not saying he's going to be there for, you know, six years or something, but I don't think he's going to be, I don't think he's like a one-year stopgap either. Obviously he's a kind of young up and coming coach. Um, I really like what he did at Frankfurt. I've been impressed with him up until this point, obviously, you know, Bayern agrees with me on that. And uh, we'll have to see how, how, how this goes for him. Uh, but, but once again, unless this is a absolutely disastrous campaign, I don't think we're going to be talking about uh, replacements or any sort of midseason moves, even if they're you know not going to win the league for the first time in a while, and even if they're kind of 
dancing around the edges of uh, Champions League qualification. I think they'll probably stick with them. But maybe I'm sadly mistaken about how Bayern's going to approach that and approach sort of their their image and their brand. Yes, I think they're a very interesting team to keep our eyes on. I, I know that they have the stigma that, you know, it's the, the Bundesliga's automatic. This would be their seventh consecutive title. Uh, last team to win it was Borussia Dortmund back way back in 2012. So it's 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 been a while, almost the you know better part of a decade since uh, someone else uh, uh, took the silverware there. So a lot of uh, a lot of moves rumored to happen. They have not been confirmed yet. Very few new players coming in and a new manager. So Bayern Munich, uh, they will they will definitely be on our radar as the season approaches. And uh, of course, Manuel Neuer, as we said, coming off that season long injury, uh, he did come back for the World Cup, but. Um, We'll see. We'll see right out the gates whether he is back to his normal form or not. Uh, moving on to your Royal Blues, the FC Schalke 04 uh, from Gelsenkirchen, the, the uh, second-place team. They were runners-up last season, one of their best seasons in recent history. Obviously, in the past de- half-decade, I would say it was their best season. They had a new coach last year. Uh, did not take him long. Did not take him a year or a season to get familiar with his team. Dominic Tedesco came right in and was shooting cannons right out the gate. Boom, boom, boom. Schalke, ex- excellent season for them. Finished uh, ahead of Dortmund and ahead of Hoffenheim in second place. Champions League is in your future, sir. And you have made some, some pretty good moves this offseason. So Omar Mascarell from Real Madrid, he previously played for, uh, I think he was alone at Frankfurt a couple of seasons ago. Actually a very good player. Then you got Mark Ut, obviously, on a free from Hoffenheim. Salif Sané from Hanover. He obviously played in the World Cup and for Senegal. That is a brilliant pickup. Seven million, seven million for that guy is all you pay. That's a, yeah, that's a steal. That's a steal. Yeah, and uh, Suat Sadar from Mainz for eleven million. Tell me about that guy. What, what, what do you know about him? Because he's um, he's one of the he's one of the few that I think I think maybe he was he came in just re- most recent, I believe. I don't remember the exact order. Yeah. Uh, and he's somebody I haven't seen a ton of up until this point. Um, you know, I know he's had uh, he's been catching the eye at times at you know, the German youth levels. So he's definitely highly regarded among, you know, different circles and, uh, you know, did some good stuff in Mainz. Uh, I'm not overly hyped about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he scored a very good goal uh, in, in preseason, which kind of caught the eye. But uh, I think the, the Schalke midfield is going to be really interesting because that's obviously one of the main areas we needed to address, losing Max Meyer and Leon Gretzka both in the same window. Uh, definitely needed to, to shore that up. But I, to me, at least, I, I'm not entirely sure who's going to be starting in that midfield. You have, you know, you still have Nabil Bentaleb, who inconsistent and a little bit reckless at times, but is a really solid player. The emergence of Weston McKenney, um, you know, Mascarell, Salif Sane, who may be playing center back, but you know, can also obviously very much play in sort of a defensive midfield role. So it's a very crowded midfield suddenly, and I'm not necessarily convinced that Suat Serdar is going to be, you know, one of the main starters right out of the gate. I think we might see a lot of rotation, especially with the number of competitions uh, that we have this year. But, uh, you know, kind of overall, uh, what I would say is that uh, I think you're absolutely right. It was a phenomenal season for Schalke. Any Schalke fans that are you know, dissatisfied with that season in some way are overly greedy. I mean, to go from 11th to second place and qualify for the Champions League, finishing ahead of Dortmund is... I mean, that's about all you can ask for, really, for Schalke. And uh, yeah. for me, the main question is, did Schalke overachieve how much? 
So the answer to that first question for me is almost certainly yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm less sure about what the answer to that second question is. And that's kind of what's worrying me to some extent is um, how much did we overachieve? Was this a Schalke team that should have finished, you know, third or fourth? Or was it a Schalke team that should have finished seventh? I mean, like, I I don't know. It it was a strange season in a lot of ways. Obviously, I like Domenico Tedesco quite a bit. Uh, I think everyone has been really impressed with him, but I think a lot of our performances were more on the basis of, uh, you know, his, 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 his tactics and sort of our organization as a team rather than really the talent of the squad. And although we've made some good moves and shored some things up, I don't think this is really a team that you still look at the team sheet and there's a bunch of names popping out at you as, you know, really, really, really great talents. Uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, Schalke scored so many goals on set pieces and and penalties and, and free kicks and all this. And I just don't think that's something that you can really replicate or at least bank on replicating. They're going to have to get better on the offensive end of the ball, breaking down teams from open play. Uh, Mark Oot, as you said, is a huge signing and, and hopefully he ends up being kind of a talisman striker up there that can really bang in some goals for us and fix that problem. But uh, there's definitely a lot up in the air and it, it'll be an interesting campaign for them. I, I hope they don't regress too much, but the additional drain of, the Champions League, uh, you know, that's that's what I was going to ask you is, do you think that they can still stay competitive in the league? And what I mean by competitive is, can they duplicate a top four finish uh, from the season before? Because I mean, I think that's what Schalke fans expect. They expect to be, they are a top four German side. They're the third biggest club in the country behind Bayern and Dortmund. And they expect with that kind of money and with the sponsor of Gazprom, which is is a huge sponsorship, the membership, like I said, third largest in the country, the, the, the money flowing into Gelsenkirchen. Now Schalke is expanding into Asia and the United States, uh, trying to get that, that global brand going. Uh, there's, there's a lot to like about this club. They're, make, they're very ambitious. They're trying to get their name out there. They don't want to be run over, so to speak, by the Black and Yellows and the Bavarians. So they are, they are making a strong push to be the third global brand coming out of the Bundesliga. I would say that, you know, in my opinion, I think Schalke has to finish top four again. But do you think that the Champions League is too much of a burden? Did you guys do enough to strengthen yourself to compete on three fronts? I think we have a decent amount of depth, uh, both midfield and attacking wise. I'm a little bit concerned about our depth at the back, uh, particularly in like the wing back positions. Um, I mean, you have Caligari who played that role last year, um, but outside of him, there's really nobody, I guess Andres Schupf can play that right wing back position a little bit too at times. That's not a super convincing player to have back there. On the left side, you have... Um, I really like that guy, by the way. Who? Schupf. I mean, he's a worker. He, he can run for days, and he definitely is, is versatile, but... Um, I think there's a lot of people that would rather have him a little bit higher up the pitch than mm-hmm. kind of back defensively. Uh, and then for whatever reason, and I apologize for this, uh, I am absolutely blanking on one of our left wing backs. I don't know why I cannot think of his name for whatever reason, uh, but he, he, he has some injury trouble right now. We picked up yeah. Baba's back from his ACL troubles uh, and his back from Chelsea, which is big. But once again, that, that's kind of a that's kind of a spot for me where I think we could use some. Some depth. I don't really. I don't want to see like Sasha Ritter getting minutes for Schalke. So you were talking uh, about I, a question real quick because you were talking about Salif Sane uh, as, as a center back. But honestly, with Max Meyer departing and Max Meyer played the number six a lot for you guys last season, 
Wouldn't Salif Sané be an instant fit right for that position? Because he is, uh, I think, more of a natural defensive mid and uh, quite the airball specialist as well. So that guy seems to me like he'd be fit, fit like a glove in that spot. Yeah, I, once again, I think it's going to be interesting to see exactly where he plays, if he's going to be deployed more in the midfield or more uh, in the back line alongside Naldo. And, and uh, why am I blanking on all of our players' names? Good Lord. Do I, do, do I need to? Do, I, okay, there you go. Nasazic, yeah. yeah. I, I promise I follow his team. Good Lord. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bastian Ochipka is the man I was thinking of. Ochipka, yeah, uh, from Frankfurt. Yeah. You guys got him from Frankfurt a season before. Very good signing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I apologize about that. Um. Yeah, I don't know exactly where Salif Sané is gonna gonna line up, but if he is in the midfield, yeah, that's definitely one more body that's gonna make it crowded and, and hard to break into. Um, I don't know if he quite has the technical skill to replicate exactly the role that Max Meyer was was playing there last season, but uh, yeah, he, he definitely could be one of the options that slots into the number six. Um, it, 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 yeah, I, there's a lot of questions up in the air. Is it gonna be like Weston McKenney at the eight and uh, Nabil Benzlaub at the six? I, I personally think it's going to be a little bit of a rotation all season, you know, um, different games in the Bundesliga might have different components. And I don't know if there's going to be a, uh, out and out, like this is our starting midfield combination and you're going to see them in 75% of matches or something like that. I think it might be a little bit, uh, more fluid. So, you know, to me, the Dominic, Domenico Tedesco basically, convinced me it didn't take 34 match days to convince me that he was the right guy for Schalke. It took two matches. One was in November of 2017, a 4-0 halftime deficit to Borussia Dortmund and a 4-4 result coming back four goals in the final 45 minutes. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. He did that, by the way, at the Westfalenstadion in Dortmund. That is something that is, uh, I think if you give Dortmund a 4-0 lead on just about any club in the world, Anybody, Barcelona, anybody, Dortmund wins that match. I, I'm totally convinced of that because there, there, there is quality, very good quality in the Dortmund. And for Schalke to have done that with only one half to play is one of the most incredible feats, I think, in Bundesliga history. I, I, I truly believe that. The second time he convinced me was when they won the Derby uh, back in April, I believe it was. And that, to me, when Dortmund does not take any points except a draw off of Schalke in a season when Schalke really took it to him, took the fight to them. I, you know, I, I don't see this guy as a flash in the pan. I think that he has something that he's building there. And I think this is something that could continue for the next three or four years. And, and hopefully you guys can keep him because, you know, if it, su- sustained success at Schalke usually ends to leads to people coming in and swooping up managers, swooping up players. Absolutely. So, but I, I'm totally convinced that, that, that you guys have found the right manager. You took a gamble on him, and it's worked out. Oh, definitely. Out. Yeah, I definitely don't think he's a flash in the pan either. What I was trying to say earlier more was just that I think the way we scored a lot of our goals was a, was a touch fluky and isn't something that you can bank on uh, repeating in that sense. We're going to have to get better uh, you know, on the attacking end of the football. But everything else about that team, I think you saw a lot of Tedesco's uh, fingerprints all over it. And uh, very well-organized squad. and something that's a little bit more intangible, but something that I think was noticeable to a lot of people, not just Schalke fans was uh, the chemistry and the belief in the spirit in the squad. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, in previous seasons, you know, Schalke is a little volatile, right? And there's times when things aren't going their way and you can, you can see that there's some bad body language out there on the pitch. And uh, just the players seemed like they were playing for each other. They were playing for the coach. They were playing for the badge. And 
uh, I mean, obviously the Dortmund game is probably the best example of that, although that is a rivalry game and those things are just completely different beasts. But uh, there's a number of times where, you know, Shaka would go down and fight back in a lot of games where you're eking out one nil results, that kind of thing. And uh, I just love to see that about the team, you know, uh, winning games and getting points that maybe they should have gotten, shouldn't have gotten last season. I think a lot of that, uh, you know, Tedesco deserves credit for it. Will you be buying a Salka Champions League kit? <laughs> Let's see how well they do in the Champions League first. Uh, hey, you know uh, you got to get that. You've got to get that star ball and respect batch on there. You just have to. I mean, I'm not sold with these Umbro kits, first of all, because we changed our, our kit sponsor. That's right. Yes. It was Adidas, right? Before? It was Adidas. Yeah. I don't know. Have you seen these things? How do you feel about these? I actually have not seen the new ones. I thought the, la- the ones last year were awesome. Yeah, these new ones, uh, maybe I'll warm up to them. I feel like they kind of look like T-shirts more than jerseys to some extent, so I haven't been thrilled with that new kid sponsor. But, yeah, I might have to. It's definitely good to be back in the Champions League. That was our goal all last season. We achieved it. Hopefully uh, we can stay there and, and lock up another top four result this season. So you guys switched to uh, Umbro, Schalke, No Fear, Jersey. I got I to gotta see this. Doing a little live Googling. Oh, I see it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I see what you mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, we are live Googling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Umbro makes, I think they make Everton shirts as well. And those those went over really well. The, uh, a lot of the uh, Everton fans are very pleased with theirs. Uh, Umbro is kind of hit or miss, but I, I do see what you're saying. But the same, yeah, that would have to grow on me. I'd have to say, I, I, I don't know if that would be an instant purchase. Okay, Everton's away shirt, though, and we're going off the rails here, but who let that happen? <laughs> uh, well, Umbro, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm uh, Yeah, I don't know. Everton's, Everton's home shirt is, is fine. Their, their third and their away kits are a little sketchy to me. Um, the last thing I want to say about Schalke, just because this happened today, is uh, the Max Meyer news. So yeah, Meyer has, yeah. Has signed, signed a deal with uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, and as we all know, world-class players go to Crystal Palace. Uh, I, you know, I just... Uh, oh, Christian Benteke, uh, uh, Sako from Liverpool. Let's see, who else? Um, uh, what, didn't Ruben Loftus-Cheek or something get loaned out there, I think? Uh, somebody... But, you <laughs> know, after after Meyer's agent, Roger Wittman, comes out and makes these comments that, you know, Meyer should be starting at Barcelona and all these great clubs and is, you know, going to go to the World Cup and should be a starter on that squad and, you know, he wants all this money and everything... Oh. Uh, he basically struggles to find a club for months, despite being free, by the way. This is not him trying to force a move where somebody has to buy him. He's on a free transfer, and it took him this long to get a club, and the club he ends up at is Crystal Palace. And to me, it's just because of how badly he damaged his reputation with the way he exited Schalke. And, uh, you know, I, there's a soft spot in my heart for the kid. You know, I've, I've watched him grow up and kind of burst his way into the squad, and he had a great season Last year, I hope he really turns it around, but uh, kind of an amusing end to that whole story that despite being linked to some big clubs at certain points last season, after that tumultuous exit, you know, the best he can do is, and this is no disrespect to Crystal Palace, but the best he can do is kind of a middle bottom Premier League side. Yeah, let's so, call him bottom. Okay. But, but you saw my tweet yesterday, right? I, I tweeted you and Richard. You saw that, right? I don't know if I, I, don't know if I did. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Richard, Richard, um, <laughs> Richard's been pretty active with me. Uh, about the whole uh, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo thing in Serie A because I think he said there the Chievo-Juventus game sold out and that's the Ronaldo effect. So I got that tweet today, but also 
He put out an awesome tweet yesterday. I don't know if it was from his personal account or from the uh, FC Schalke podcast account about, yeah, so much for going to a better club or something like that. And I was like, yeah, you leave, you leave a Champions League Bundesliga side who is obviously they're on Schalke is a fixture on the top on the Forbes top 20 most valuable clubs list every single season. You go from there, you were just dying to get out of Schalke because they were just such a shit club. And you go to a relegation candidate. Every single season, Crystal Palace fights relegation. How is that? How in the hell is that a, a, a move up? I mean, he's making more money. That's he's making more money. Yeah, yeah. Yep. If, okay. if that's all he cares about, then I guess Roger Vittman did a good job for him. But uh, I don't see it. I, and, you know, it, it might end up being good fit for him. It, he might have a successful, you know, stint at Crystal Palace. And, you know, I hope he does. I hope he kind of turns it around. But in my opinion, he just kind of needs to shut up now, keep his head down and, and work hard. And, well, I hate to know. tell him this. I hate to tell him that 12th place in the Premier League doesn't get you anything. <laughs> it doesn't get you anything. Hey, let's move on. Uh, 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 this, these guys right here, before I get into uh, my, my, my betrothed, my, my, the loves of my life, Borussia Dortmund, before I, before I get there, um, because they did some awesome business, Jack, and we're going to talk about how fucking awesome they've been. Um, we're going to talk about Stuttgart. They have done some, some, some massive things. Uh, so, obviously, they missed out on Europa League last season only because Frankfurt beat Bayern Munich in the DFB Pokal Final. They were going to be the Europa League seventh-place team in the Bundesliga. They were facing possible relegation around the winter break time frame. They let go of former Borussia Dortmund junior coach. Uh, he was the under-19 under coach and also under-17 coach. Um, why am I... Uh, um, uh, Wolf, I can't think of his name right now. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, that guy. And they hire one of the absolute... Um, how should I put this nicely? The kicking boys. He he he's like one of the guys that people, uh, a typhoon Korkut. He gets literally kicked around like a football. I guess you would say, just failure after failure after failure in the Bundesliga, and he goes to Stuttgart, and everyone's thinking, well, now they're definitely relegated. Now it's <laughs> a, now it's a certainty. And these guys, they go on this like, was it not nine game unbeaten streak with like eight wins out of nine or something? They 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 work all the way up. They get above the fifty point mark. Unbelievable Rukrunde. I mean, just unbelievable. So these guys fall just a little bit short, but they've done some good business. They get Mark Oliver Kemp from Freiburg on a free. They get Daniel Didavi from Wolfsburg mm -hmm. on a free. That's the one that I'm most excited about for them. Yes. Uh, Gonzalo Castro, uh, former Borussia Dortmund player, for $5 million. They get, um, let's see, Nicholas Gonzalez from Argentinos Juniors for $8.5 million. And their biggest transfer... Nine million from Manchester City, Spanish defender Pablo Mafeo. Now I'm leaving some out. There's Roberto Massimo from Armenia Bielefeld. I'm gonna go ahead and admit I do not know him. He's from the second Bundesliga. I follow the second Bundesliga in the table. I do not know the rosters in and out like I do in the top flight. But they have done, they have had a lot of moving pieces. A lot of moving pieces. And this team, by the way. Their biggest so far, let's not let's knock on wood for Stuttgart, but it seems like Bayern, who Bayern seemed to be interested in this French guy who scored a screamer in the World Cup. You know who I'm talking about? Benjamin yeah. Pavard. They've backed off. If Stuttgart retains Pavard, I think that they have a pretty darn good team for the Bundesliga. What are your thoughts? Not 
not bad. And they've definitely done some good business. I guess the way I look at all this stuff is, for me, the entire Bundesliga this this offseason, there's been very few moves that have really that I've been blown away by. I think there's a lot of teams that have made some 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 decent business, but nothing that's you know really catching the eye all that much. Stuttgart's another one of those. Um, de- I mean, definitely for a club of kind of their size, at least recently, right, having been relegated and everything, kind of trying to work their way back up. Some nice pieces that they've added for sure. But uh, I mean, some of these guys to me are a little bit unproven. Like you know, Mateo would be one of them. I, yeah. I haven't. I mean, potentially, you know, obviously a big money signing for them, but what he really has is kind of yet to be seen a little bit. So uh, a lot to prove whether or not, you know, Corka can, can continue what they had going for them in the Brook Runda is also a big question because as you said, um, he's one of those guys where things don't always work out, but he seems to have some sort of staying power somehow. So uh, whether or not they will get off to the kind of start they finished on is another big question mark as well. Yeah. Then you got RB Leipzig, Mateus Kuna for 15 million from Sion. You've got Marcelo Saracchi from River Plate. That was 13.5 million. In addition to Nordi Mukiele from Montpellier for 16 million. They spent some pretty big money. You and I both know 13.5 million, 15 million, and 16 million. That's big money for the Bundesliga. It is. No, it definitely is. You're right about that. And they kept Forsberg and Werner. I, I mean, I see what you're saying. I, I see. I, I definitely see what you're saying. You have to like what Leipzig has done, right? Basically, their only big loss was Nabi Keita. But to me, that loss is is a bigger loss than anything they've gained. Okay. Do you disagree with that? I. Well, they also they up front they I I, meant, I failed to mention they last season they did pretty good business with Jean Kevin Augustin. So I I really like their squad. I do think that Nabi Keita is a massive loss. He can because he's so versatile. Uh we've talked about this on the uh uh forecast on the, the Liverpool podcast on Tuesday night. We talked about the fact that he's so versatile he can play the six, the eight, and the ten. He literally can slot in anywhere in the midfield and he's perfectly comfortable. Underrated dribbler, fantastic passer and creative on the ball. So, yeah, I, I do, until otherwise proven, I agree with you, Jack. Um, until some of these new signings go in there and show me that they are, how, how should I say, an, an adequate replacement. None of these three are, by the way. There's two defenders and a forward that I just mentioned. There's no midfielders in those three. So until, uh, they're, they're not going to have someone to come in and directly fill Kata's shoes. So I, 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 I do agree with you in the, in the aspect of, his departure is is a bigger loss than anything they've gained, especially as it pertains to their midfield. But, but what what are they competing against? You know, they're not going to be playing Champions League this season. They're going to be playing Europa League. I don't know that they're RB Leipzig is slowly churning away at getting better and better and stronger and stronger, and they have money to spend. So I don't know that. Um, I don't know that they're not going to be better simply because of the fact that this will be Timo Werner's third season there. He's, what is he, 20, 21, 22 now? So, you know, he's, he's becoming a, a, a grizzled veteran at RB Leipzig. And I think that him and, him and Forsberg, they'll do their magic. You know, Forsberg's a, a, a wonderful number 10. I, I don't know that Keita is going to keep them from achieving their goals. Let me put it like that. I'm just waiting for Tyler Adams to go over there, and then after that, I'll be pretty high on him. And you know, next year they get, um, or who was it that, that they? Uh, uh, That's the American bias for everybody, right there. Right, right. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann has agreed to become their manager after after this season. 
And that that's potentially worth a couple players right there. Right. In terms of, you know, the point differential and everything. So, yeah, once again, me not being high on some of these transfers isn't isn't saying I don't like these squads and don't think these teams are going to perform well. I just haven't been blown away by a lot of the moves. And, and in the case of Leipzig in particular, I think Nabi Keita, to me, kind of overshadows anything that they've replaced him with, personally. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's talk about another guy from the United States, Bobby Wood. Bobby Wood has bounced around a good bit over the past couple of seasons. He was at Union Berlin first off, then he goes to Hamburg. I would say his stint in Hamburg was rather uneventful. I don't know how you feel about that, but it, it certainly did not impress me. And now he's alone at Hannover's Exenoinzig. So he sort of fails upward. Uh, Hamburg gets relegated, but Bobby, <laughs> but, but, but Bobby Wood stays in the German top flight. So on loan from Hamburg. Hanover also gets Wallace from Hamburg. We're familiar with him. He came in, I believe, at the winter break of the 2016-17 season. So he's had about a year and a half of Bundesliga experience. Very inconsistent player. But they also get Genki Haraguchi from Hearts of Berlin. $4.5 million they paid for him. Haraguchi, of course, played in the World Cup. Uh, this guy is a, a very experienced Bundesliga player, very experienced international player. And they also get uh, Kevin Vimmer from Stoke City. Kevin Vimmer, uh, of course, uh, has also had Bundesliga experience uh, in his past. Hanover did some good business, but what, what are your what are your thoughts specifically on Bobby Wood? Is there is there is there really hope for this guy at this point? I mean, he's really yeah. he has he hasn't impressed in the German top flight so far. I think we are both unanimous on that. Bobby Wood is a pretty controversial figure among U.S. men's national team followers. Some people are very high on him. Uh, some people think he's absolute trash. Uh, I've been kind of cautiously optimistic about him for a while, but yet not a good season for him last year and really only showed uh, flashes kind of in, in very brief stints with, with Hamburg through his time there uh, so far. Definitely wouldn't be a resounding success by any stretch of the imagination. Um, the one thing I will say is for a player that definitely has maybe more of a spotlight on him than his talent would merit, I think a move to a club like Hanover would probably do him good because it's going to be a little bit quieter there. Hamburg's obviously a much bigger club than, uh, Hanover, uh, a lot noisier with a lot of more expectations and probably a more difficult fan base to deal with. And I think there's a potential that this Hanover move could be a good one for him that he can just kind of go in there, fit into the squad, keep his head down and you know, maybe hopefully avoid some of the, the negative attention that he's had and maybe have less pressure on him and his his performances will improve as a result. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, I, I I do feel for him because he has faced a lot of scrutiny, especially here on the home base. Uh, you know, the Bundesliga is a different beast. He's definitely not made any friends there as well. So he's kind of getting it from, he's kind of he's fighting the two-front war here as far as uh, yeah. his criticism. So, you know, he's at Hanover. I do believe... Jack, that this is this is the final stop for him if he can't succeed here, as it pertains to top flight German football. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, he's got he's got to do something. So let's talk about your favorite team, Borussia Dortmund. I'm sorry, uh, my favorite team, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, we did some great business. We really did. Uh, first off, a loan deal for uh, with Real Madrid for Akraf Hakimi. Uh, we signed Abdul Diallo, 28 million. That's the second most expensive transfer in Dortmund history behind the awesome, unbelievably great Andre Schule. Uh, you cannot, cannot deny Andre Schule is just uh, <laughs> an unbelievable uh, uh, player. 
Also, by the way, on his way to England. So that's um, you know him and him and uh, Max Meyer can exchange uh, uh, banana bread across from each other or something like that when they're banana next bread. next door neighbors. Um, <laughs> so um, on top of that, on top of Diallo, who's a fantastic center back, they also signed Thomas Delaney from Werder Bremen. I'm a little bit wary of the fee. I think they overpaid just a bit for him. Werder Bremen did good business there. Marius Wolf, though, steal. They uh, enacted the. The, uh, the buyout clause and uh, got him for five million. He he has only really one half of a season with Frankfurt. He came in last season after the winter break and was on fire. So buyer beware. It's a small sample size, but for Frankfurt, he was very consistent and very good, especially in the latter stages of the season. And of course, the day of people call final against Bayern, he actually played a very good very good match that day. Um, the price tag is is unbelievable for someone who has that kind of potential. So, it's 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 a uh, it's a low risk, high reward situation for Dortmund. I think, it, you know, if he doesn't work out, what what's five million dollars or five million euros to Borussia Dortmund? That's a that's a pennies in the bucket. No 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 worries there. So, I love that transfer. That's probably my favorite transfer, just simply because of the fee and what he could potentially bring to the uh, to the pitch mm-hmm. for them. And lastly, they got Swiss international goalkeeper Marvin Hitz on a free. From Augsburg, they're still rumored to be in the running for Belgian international, Mr. Witzel. So, what are your thoughts, Jack, as a hater drinking the Haterade on Borussia Dortmund? What do you, what do you think, though, so far of their business this summer? Well, you're forgetting the most important signing of all, and that is, of course, the return of U19 standout Jakob Brun Larsen from loan to Stuttgart. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Sorry. Yeah. My, my boy, Jakob Brun Larsen. Um, Christian Pulisic's hey, roommate, by the way. That's his roommate. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, That's it's his roommate. Wingers, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm wondering how much he's going to break into the squad. They make banana season. bread together. Do you know that? What is up with you and banana bread? I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it was well, because... Uh, on the Tuesday podcast, Joe was talking about how Adam Lallana would never leave Liverpool because he's Jurgen Klopp's next-door neighbor, and he has dirt on Klopp, apparently. He's spying out of his window, but they, he said that they exchanged banana bread with each other, as, as neighborly folks some, somehow do. And uh, I, I said, well, if they were Jurgen Klopp's from Germany, wouldn't he be exchanging gingerbread with, with uh, Adam Lallana? I mean, that's the way we, 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 we like the Lebkuchen in Germany. We don't eat that uh, banana bread bullshit. We eat uh, gingerbread. So uh, I don't know how we, we got on the... Uh, Controversial <laughs> opinions about banana bread being... Very, very, yeah, very, very big banana bread. But um, so... Anyway. But they, um, were, they were roommates, and I know that Christian Pulisic says he does do a lot of the cooking for the two of them. So take that as you will. Well, he should, because Pulisic's more important. So... You know, <laughs> Right, pick exactly. Up, pick up the slack. Pick up the um, slack, yeah. Del- Delaney is a very good player. I think that's a good signing. Um, you ca- you kind of had to pick up a goalkeeper uh, with, obviously... Do you think Dortmund overpaid rate. for... Yeah. Do you think Dortmund overpaid for Delaney, though? $20 million. $20 million. I think if they wanted them, they probably had to. Okay. I, I don't know. It's so hard to tell what constitutes overpaying these days because I think... Sometimes I feel like 90% of the transfer fees, you would say well, that player is not worth that much. But with the way the market is these days and how competitive it is to get these people, it seems like everybody's overpaying for everything upon freeze somehow or, you know, some situation like that. But um, I think Delaney will probably be worth it for you. If you did overpay for him, I think, you know, I think he'll probably make up for it. 
Um, Diallo, as you said, good signing. Uh, the you know the, the depth with with hits now. Um, yeah, and Marius Wolf is is potentially maybe as you said the sneakiest signing of them all, and could end up kind of outshining everybody. There, there's definitely some potential for that. Uh, for me, you know, losing Batshuayi, not being able to retain his services is kind of a big loss. I agree. Um, Socrates, I mean, obviously. Bye bye. See ya. See ya. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, exactly. yeah, bye bye. Some, some people feel that way. Definitely. See ya. Bye. Um, I think if if Witzel came to Dortmund, that would be the move for me, where I would finally say, okay, that's mm-hmm. that's a big pickup. Axel Witzel is a is a strange player in the sense that I kind of feel like he's been a world class player all along. He just for whatever reason refuses to play for like big name clubs and big name. Like I mean, he's he goes and hangs out in, in, in Zenit for a while, then goes to China. Um, you know, This is a player that I think a lot of bigger clubs in Europe would have signed. He's just kind of been a mercenary for whatever reason for, for other weird locations. But that would be a big get. I mean, you saw him at the World Cup, and he looked. I thought he looked phenomenal at the mm-hmm. World Cup. Didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. That's why I'm thinking $20 million, apparently, to this Chinese club, wherever he plays, Jun Jun Chang Jun. I don't know what, I don't know what actually... I, I'm sorry, I for, for for listeners, I do not follow the Chinese league. I don't. I know FIFA 19 is getting it in the game, so maybe I'll be a little bit more familiar with the teams uh, because I don't know why, but I may be. I, I may scroll through them on my uh, Xbox. But I, you know, I, I I agree with you. It's a very weird situation because he is an he is a supreme talent, and I've 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 thought highly of him before this. I thought he played an extremely great World Cup and baffling to me that Dortmund is potentially getting a player for that small of amount of money because, you know, China is the league that spends unbelievably stupid amounts of money on players. Yeah. And, and, and to, get, to get him for a potential uh, uh, rumored transfer fee of, of, of $20 million would be would, I, I would say that would be a fantastic grab for Dortmund. Just that, would be the, that would be the move from a Schalke perspective where I'd be like, uh, don't like that one. Yeah, right. Everything else I've been like, okay, you know, good pickups. But that one would be the one where I'd be like, yeah, that, that hurts. That hurts as a Schalke fan. Do you think uh, Bufunta is going to get any playing time this season? Uh, very little. It, it, th- that's the thing is Dortmund still has such a massive squad. And, and we, so I've been talking to a couple of my Dortmund compatriots and we've been talking about, well, how do you line up? And I said, I think Dortmund has a chance to line up in a 3-5-2 should Favre want to. Uh, of course, he, he also favors a 4-4-2. And if you look at that, how that, how that plays out, it's, you know, you have players like Jaden Sancho that are going to be sitting the bench for quite a few games because on the wings, you would have to think that you got to put Pulisic and Royce on the wings, right? Yep, so you probably, at this point, if you don't get a striker, you're going to probably play Maximilian Philip up front. So in a 4-4-2, you're probably playing Royce and Philip up front. Those are your two center forwards with Pulisic on one wing. And then maybe that's where Sancho probably gets on the wing in a 4-4-2. He probably gets on the opposite side of Pulisic. Uh, likely with uh, Mario Götze in the middle, and you know it can be a combination. It can be Götze, it can be uh, you know Shinji Kagawa, it can be Thomas Delaney. It can be a number. The midfield is extremely crowded at Dortmund, and then the back line, uh, pretty much set. Uh, you, you you've got uh, Akanji, Diallo. Those are your center backs, and I think that you can put Rafael Guerrero at left back, get Schmelzer out of there, and of course Piszczek is your right back. So to answer your question, I mean, where do you where do you see him? I don't see him fitting in, except maybe in um, 
the odd uh, DFB Pokal match or maybe a throwaway match against uh, maybe. A, is he is he going to be in the in the first team squad the entire season or is he going to be down you know at the reserves? That's 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 because if he's question. if he's not going to get a sniff for the first team, I'm surprised as to why they would have made that move for him now because he's so young. I, I just don't I, see, I, I don't see him being in the first team all season. No, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I really don't. I, I and I agree with what you're saying. I mean, it does it 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 doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. But Dortmund develops players. You know, in 2014 15. This guy named Jurgen Klopp told Christian Pulisic, I'm not going to put you in the first squad, but I'm going to let you train with the first squad. Thomas Tuchel came in the next season. 16-year-old Christian Pulisic makes his Bundesliga debut. So yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't ever count anything out of a possibility when it comes to Dortmund because they, they, are, they are the one side in the Bundesliga that really does mix experience with youth. I mean, they truly do give their their young players a chance. Look at Sancho last season. Sancho busted out in the, in the second half of last season. Yeah, I mean, I thought he I thought he looked damn good. Jaden Sancho, that is. Yeah, yeah, and I think it'll be interesting if if Dortmund end up not getting a striker, whether or not they put Royce up there, and then Sancho ends up getting more playing time on the wing as a result of that. I I think that's I think that's how he fits into the squad. Is if Royce if 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 Lucien Favre favors a four four two, I think you you look at Pulis, I mean uh, um, uh, uh, Philip and Royce as up front. I mean Philip can play the center forward position. He did it in Freiburg, so there, there's no unfamiliarity there. Royce can play the ten. Royce can play the seven. Royce can play the nine. He's 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 one of those. He's he's just multifaceted player. He can um, you can pretty much slot him anywhere in a midfield or or, or, or attack, and 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 you'll be fine. So. I, Again, some of these players are going to play, Jack, based on the lineup that Favre selects that day. That's that they they it, it's it's just that simple. If you have a three-man back line, the three-man back line, if they play a three-five-two, probably looks a little bit something like Piszczek, Diallo, and Akanji. Now you have five midfield spots. So who do you who do you who occupies those? I said, you know, funny enough. I, I didn't even mention Weigel a minute ago. I said Delaney exactly, yeah. and Gretzit. So obviously Julian Weigel, who was a, a, a fantastic player under Thomas Tuchel and a, a, a definitely took a, 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 I won't say he took a step back last season, but he suffered under Peter Bosch and um, Peter Stürger. And we, it remains to be seen that that cost him a World Cup. That, that definitely cost him from being selected by Yogi Liv to join the uh, German national team. Not that I think that would have mattered, but, um, you know, it's it's still prestigious to, to represent your country in the World Cup. So he has a little bit to prove. Still young as hell. I think he's, what, 23, 24 years old. So the midfield is crowded, but there, there's some healthy competition there. So I – but it's – I, I think that that this, I think that Favre has the senior squad pretty much set. I, I don't see a lot more movement there. And then on top of that, they signed Marius Wolf, who we just talked about. He's a winger, so that's a guy that's going to come in, and he's going to be competing with Jaden Sancho and Christian Pulisic for winger time. And if Royce is playing the wing, that nobody's yeah. nobody's supplanting him. So you know that that leaves one less spot. Dortmund's very crowded right now, and and I think they I think they still need to perhaps. Sell a player or two here or there. I would love, 
I would love for Nuri Shaheen to be sold. Jesus Christ, that guy is the he's he. To say he's lost a step is an understatement. That guy is as slow as molasses, and he he is not. He is a he is perhaps a Bundesliga quality player, but he is not a top four club Bundesliga player at this point in his career. He 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 needs to go. And and you know at the end of the day, this is this is a, a club with a lot of of ambition and high aspirations. And to field, I don't see him. How do you fit him in? How does Lucien Favre fit Nuri Shaheen in with all the players he has in midfield? Well, he made a big mistake in the in the derby, didn't he? In the second half. Yeah, he did. Uh, no, Schmelzer did. Schmelzer, uh, that was his that was his blow. He he blew that big time. You're talking okay. about well, you're talking about the um the first touch that Schmelzer uh lost. He had basically an elementary grade school uh, first touch that bumped on his foot, and I think it was was it a Schoep or somebody picked it up or um, um Nastasic. Picked it up and and yeah, I have to, I'd have to watch it again. I forget off the top of my head. Oh, but it, it was a breakaway. It was a breakaway. Uh, and Schmelzer took full responsibility for that. Yeah, I, I I'd have to go back and look about Shaheen, but I know that Schmelzer had a massive boo boo in the in the derby. I thought Shaheen did something weird when he was trying to cover, in like in you know didn't didn't follow a man on that play. I could be completely mistaken. A lot of questions. Actually, that was Socrates. That was Socrates. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, oh yeah, dude. Socrates lost. He his man marking was total shit last year. He had no I think clue. The one thing, the one thing we can agree on with Dortmund this season is that they're uh, they're going to be well fed with banana bread. So I think. They can... <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. and by the way, Arsenal, have fun with that. Have fun with Socrates. I, I hope you guys enjoy. Um, one more, uh, a couple more teams to quick cover really quickly before we move on out of here. Uh, so one Champions League side that we have not covered yet is uh, Hoffenheim. Uh, this is mm-hmm. the last season. This is the last season for Julian Nagelsmann. So Nags is going to move on to RB Leipzig, who is basically a, what should we call them? The, the younger, more muscular, faster, more attractive brother of Hoffenheim? Because, you know, they're one of those, uh, what they call plastic clubs in yeah, Germany. Plastico, right? Plastico. And Hoffenheim is like the lesser version of Leipzig, even though they've been in the league longer. Leipzig has uh, has definitely already surpassed them as far as uh, what they've done in the short amount of time they've been in there. But Hoffenheim makes the Champions League this time for real. Obviously, they they got to the qualifying the season before, and Jurgen Klopp made quick quick uh, uh, what should I say dinner time was served for Hoffenheim as uh, Jurgen Klopp got out the, uh, the the butcher knife and, and carved them up really nicely. So they had, they were relegated to the Europa League. Did not make it out of the group stage in the Europa League. So another German disappointment there, as we mentioned at the very beginning of the show. Um, seems like Hoffenheim, Hertha, all those teams just just utterly disappointed in, 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 in the Europa League last season. It was only the two teams that came down from the Champions League, so Leipzig and Dortmund, that made any noise. And uh, even that was short-lived. So Hoffenheim gets... Vincenzo Grifo, who I actually liked. I, I thought Grifo was a good player at Freiburg two years ago. He comes in from Borussia Mönchengladbach. He did absolutely nothing there. That, that was just a, a monumental bust for Gladbach, but also for Grifo because I do think he, he's, a, he's a good player. I like that move. It somewhat helps out, I think, with the uh, moving of Mark Ut to Schalke, as we talked about. So that, that'll help that a, a little bit because he is a... Um, He's a goal-scoring midfielder. Uh, they get Belfadil, who he was um, 
Isak Belfadil was with Breda Bremen, I believe, last season. They and now uh, he's with Hoffenheim. They get Leonardo Bittencourt from relegated Cologne. Bittencourt's a pretty decent player. Um, yeah, I like him. Yeah, but honestly, Jack, I I don't see a lot here. They got Kasim. They yeah, got Kasim, They got Kasim Adams from Young Boys from Switzerland. That was their that was their biggest transfer of the season. Eight million euros. I, I I really don't think that they have a shot at making out of the group stage. Even if Nagelsmann does his best managerial job, you got to say the odds are stacked against them. Yeah. So Kasim Adams, Grifo, Bittencourt, Belfadil, good signings all around. Um, it's, to me, this is still kind of a case similar to Leipzig, where I feel like maybe the losses are a bigger deal than what they've gained. Because uh, Mark Oot is a huge loss with how many goals he scored for them last season. And, uh, and, and Gnabry was a really great player as well. So uh, and Hoffenheim's just been decimated in recent years with, with people taking taking their players from them. And I feel I feel really badly for them for that. They just haven't been able to retain their talent, which is something that, you know, Dortmund and Schalke fans know all too well. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's going to be a tall ask for them to do anything in the Champions League. I think they'll probably be better served focusing more on trying to qualify for Europe again than trying to really do anything in that tournament. Uh, but... You know, don't count Nagelsmann out, I guess, because he is he is definitely quality. No, and 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 he is. I and that's the thing is you can't count him out, but he will not be playing or facing the likes of Freiburg, Mainz, uh, Nuremberg, Fortuna Düsseldorf in the Champions League. He's gonna be facing much, much better quality opponents. So that's gonna take one hell of a job to get Absolutely. them through the group stage. And and honestly, Jack, I don't even know if they get to third place. Uh, the group stage obviously hasn't been decided yet, but you've got to think that someone like a Dynamo Zagreb or somebody like that, that's obviously you're saying, okay, they're playing for third or fourth in their group. D- Dynamo Zagreb can probably compete with Hoffenheim, I, I-, I think, on-, on-, on a good day. Yeah, for me, it's going gonna- it's to depend on how much emphasis Hoffenheim decides to put on that competition as a squad, it, it, they got to kind of make that value judgment of, of what they're trying to do more. They're going to invest right. a lot of resources in those games or they, you know, the games where they have, we might have to see how the schedule lines up, but you know, if they have uh, important league matches right on the backs of champions league games, you know, which one are they going to prioritize? So uh, that's the, I don't know how, how deep they're going to go, even if they did invest fully in the champions league, but something tells me that, uh, yeah, I think I agree with you. It's going to be sort of a uh, quick campaign for them, probably. All right, I got two more teams to squeeze in here before we jump out. <clears throat> well, this one is interesting. So they were in the Champions League spot for most of last season and ended up falling out on the final match day because, and they only they only dropped out because of goal differential. And you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about Bayer Leverkusen, who is normally, <clears throat> I'd say, three out of five years they make the Champions League. So they are uh, very familiar with that tournament. Just falling short last season. The performance of Kevin Follant was excellent last year, and Leon Bailey had a tremendous first half of the season. Yeah, and just fell fell off, fell off a little bit later, but yeah, definitely. Are you surprised that he did not move this summer? Because that's all the rage was at the end at the end of the of the uh, um, the Hinrunde last season. Everyone said, "Oh, Leverkusen, he's going to be." He's going to be gone. He, he 100% Leon Bailey is going to get swooped up by the uh, Premier League. They That's a one and done. He is out of there. He's like Chicharito. See ya. And yet he stays. Are you surprised, despite obviously taking uh, kind of a performance dip in the second half of the season, 
Are you surprised to still see him with the club? I am a little bit surprised, but I think that performance that might have been part of it. I think maybe some of those bigger clubs uh, want to see him replicate that again for more than just one half of a season uh, for Leverkusen. Uh, and it was quite an impressive half of the season, not to you know minimize it, but uh, especially with a young player like that, maybe some consistency is what other clubs are looking for before they really pull the trigger. Uh, but from a Bundesliga perspective, it's great to have a talent like that in the Bundesliga again uh, for one more year, because uh, it's definitely something that a lot of people, even the neutrals, are going to try to tune in to see, because he's, he's a phenomenal player. So what they did get was Mitchell Weiser. He came over from Hertha Berlin. That was probably one of their bigger yeah, signings. I'd say so. Lucas Herdecki, uh, he's a fantastic keeper. Comes in from Eintracht Frankfurt, so he comes in on a free. He comes in on a free. So he is the direct replacement for Bernd Leno, who obviously uh, moved to the Premier League himself this season. And they got uh, Paulinho, Brazilian midfielder Paulinho from uh, Vasco da Gama. And that was $18.5 million. That Again, these numbers for a Premier League, 18.5, for a Premier League side, $18.5 million is like buying a backup uh, left back who's 17 years old. That, 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 that. But for the Bundesliga, $18.5 million, if you're not, if you're not Bayern Munich or Borussia Dortmund or perhaps Schalke and maybe RB Leipzig, $18.5 million is a pretty damn high number. So, uh, Brazilian wonder kids, man. What can you say? What can you say? So Mitchell Weiser, you and I are familiar with him. He was came from Bayern a couple years ago, went to Berlin. He did some good stuff in Berlin, but I would say overall, is he... Well, is he is he someone that you can count on game in, game out, week in, week out? That, that, that much I'm not sure of. There are, of course, glimpses of... There, I don't want to say brilliance because that's too strong of a word, but there's um there's glimpses of strong play. But Mitchell Weiser coming maybe the, maybe the thought is they didn't lose Folland, they didn't lose Leon Bailey. They have the Bender twins, obviously. They got a good goalkeeper to come in and replace Leno. So Leverkusen really maybe didn't have to do that much. Maybe what they maybe what they they did bring in was pretty adequate. I mean, the one thing I'd say about Mitchell Weiser is that if it's not for the emergence of, of Joshua Kimmich, that maybe he's still at Bayern even, potentially. Um, not, not that he you know lit the world on fire there in sort of limited minutes, but there was a period of time when he was at that club where he was very highly regarded. Yeah. And uh, he's kind of fallen off the scene just because of the location that he went to. And I think his his profile will grow again because Leverkusen obviously is a bigger club than Hertha Berlin. But um I like him. I think he's a good player, and I think this is an interesting move for him, and I'm optimistic about it. I think it might go well. Um, but, yeah, beyond that, there's really not a whole lot to talk about from the Leverkusen front. Hradecki is a great pickup, but it's a pickup out of necessity because, obviously, you're losing Barrett Lando to Arsenal. Uh, so that's just kind of something, the business that they had to get done. It is good business, but it's not um, It's not really making your squad better because it's a, it's a replacement piece, right? So, uh, really, it's just kind of about Polino and uh, Mitchell Visor for me, and uh, Leverkusen has a great squad already, so they'll probably be fine. But once again, kind of a quiet summer for them. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, very quiet, and we'll see what they can do in the Europa League. I, I do think that they have a pretty quality squad. I think Leon Bailey, this if if he has the same Hinrunde he had last year, and he can maintain his performance in the Rückrunde this time around, then he probably will be gone next summer. Uh, Another team I want to talk about real quick is uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. They fell off 
just ever so slightly. They The last two seasons, uh, no Europe for them. Uh, they missed out on the Europa League by a hair last year. This was a, this was a team that a couple years ago was coming off back-to-back Champions League appearances. Uh, now they, they, they sign their, their big signing, and this is 23 million euros. This is, this is massive for Gladbach. I mean, uh, but uh, Arasane Plea. So this guy's, you know, played for Lyon. He's played for Alzer on loan. He's played for Nice. 111 appearances for Nice from 2014 through 2018. Uh, 36 goals. He's played for the French uh, U18s, the U19s, the U20s, and the under-21s. He's um, 25 years old, so not the youngest guy, but <laughs> apparently Gladbach believes enough in him that he was purchased for what has to be a, a, an enormous amount of money for them. Yeah, that's got to be close to a club record, at least recently. Right. Um, that's it's really not a player that I've personally seen all that much of, uh, but definitely the marquee signing for them. Uh, not to be a broken record, but beyond that, anything else really stand out for you outside of the players that they've lost in, you know, in Vestergaard and Grifo? Uh, no, they got, um, as we talked about, Keenan Bennett from Tottenham Hotspur for $2.3 million. They got uh, Torben Musel on a free from Kaiserslautern. They got uh, Michelin uh, defender Andreas Polson. And beyond that, they got Swiss defender uh, Michael Lang from Basel for $2.8 million. So they, they basically put all their horses in, in uh, yeah. or all their money in one horse. Now, granted, we'll see, we'll, we'll see if it pays off for him. Yeah, Playa, Playa is he's played under Lucien Favre the last two seasons at Nice, and he has Champions League experience. Well, Champions League qualifying experience. He played in the Europa League last year. So, yeah, but but um, we'll see we'll see how that works out for him. I mean, it, like I said, it, it's um, it's a lot of money to be spent for 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 Gladbach. It's a lot of money to be spent for them. So. Uh, this, this, I, I will definitely have my eye out on that player. Absolutely. Whenever somebody spends, especially a club like Gladbach, spends that kind of money on somebody, uh, it's going to demand some viewing, I think, to kind of get a sense of what's really going on there. So he'll, he'll be on my, uh, my radar as well. And the last, the last team we're going to finish up with is Eintracht Frankfurt. So they are going to be playing in the Europa League this year because they won. They are the German Cup champions, the reigning German Cup champions. They beat Bayern Munich 3-1 in the final Ante Ribic with the brace, obviously the uh, Croatian international who had himself a fine, a dandy of a World Cup. They they uh, did some business. So they got Felix Wiedwald, who was the goalkeeper at Werder Bremen a couple seasons ago. He moved to Leeds United into the championship last year. I guess he thought it was better to play in the Bundesliga for a Europa League side than to play in the second tier of English football. So he left Leeds, comes back to the Bundesliga. They got Nikolai Miller, who is coming off of an ACL injury. He, of course, if you remember, Jack, he had the celebration, I believe, on match day one or two. Yeah, free thing. For a very brief moment, Jack, Hamburg were the table leaders in the Bundesliga after match day two. They, they had six points out of six points, and they were German champions with 32 match days to go. <laughs> That's a little-known fact, by the way. Yeah, given how that season ended for them, I think that's something that uh, a lot of people have forgotten about. But, <laughs> right, exactly. So yeah, Nik- Nik- Nikolai Müller is a—he's uh, a solid German professional. I think that's a good pickup for them. Right. So they—they they obviously, you know, w- the main thing here is 
they lose Nico Kovac. And Nico Kovac has had them on an upward swing the last couple of seasons. So where do we where I, I don't I don't know how Frankfurt's gonna play because we won't know that until match day one. Uh, again, preseason friendlies, I put very little stock into those. Uh, you know, Dortmund looked like total garbage in preseason friendlies last season and came out of the gates with 19 out of a possible 21 points through seven match days last season. So just a, a kind of an example of how preseason really doesn't give you the the uh, the, the full story behind what a team's going to do. But yeah. Frankfurt, I would assume that I think I, I think it's very pro- probable that. Ante Rebic moves on somewhere. That's that's what I was going to say next. I mean, you look at the losses they've had. Botang, Herdecki, Mascarell, Meyer, Marius Wolf, and then, of course, Nico Kovac. The biggest thing Eintracht Frankfurt's done is thus far hold on to Ante Rebic. Um, and if Rebic ends up departing as well, it's not a good, not a good offseason for Frankfurt. And you'd be worried about where they'd end up this season, wouldn't you? I would, and that's that. That brings me to my to my to my point that I was uh, looking to to discuss with you, and that is that many times you have in the Bundesliga. This happened uh, most recently, I believe, with was it was it um, just a couple of seasons ago? Oh, Fre- Freiburg, Freiburg, Freiburg played in the Europa League back in 2014-15 and were relegated in 2014-15. Because they 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 lack the squad depth to be able to compete on three fronts. They don't have the money. They don't have the finances. They have to basically decide they're going to play one or the other. And it's so typical that these German sides that are kind of mid-table or lower table, and Frankfurt is a mid-table side, let's make no mistake about it, they end up... And, and this is where Hertha Berlin and Hoffenheim last year, it probably benefited Hoffenheim to get eliminated in the group stage of the of the Europa League because I think it, it let them focus on simply winning their matches in the league, and that got them into the third place. Hertha Berlin, the same. I think Frankfurt is in a very dangerous position to where if they say, we're going we're gonna to live up the Europa League. We earned it. We won the German Cup. You know, damn it, we don't get here often, so we're going to go all out. If they go all out in Europe, I think that especially if they lose Ante Rebic, they could be an easy danger for a relegation spot. Yeah, they better not do that, in, in my opinion. Uh, we'll have to see if they make any moves before the end of this window, but uh, they need to calm their shit a little bit if they think they're gonna try to do something in the, you know, in in, in Europe. And uh, I'm worried about them. I, I really am. I think they need to not. I, yeah. Uh, I feel like the organization of Frankfurt is smart enough to not let that happen. I kind of trust Frankfurt more than I do some of these other squads uh, that you mentioned. Uh, so I, I would hope that they'd realize kind of who they are and, and not get ahead of themselves and, and dedicate resources to the right areas. But uh, they're going to be in trouble, in my opinion, regardless of whether or not they go all out in the Champions League. And then that's only going to add fuel to the fire if they do that. Well, so let's, let's go ahead and say this. Two, two years ago... Frankfurt had to play Nuremberg in the relegation playoff. They're only two years removed from facing a drop to the second tier, and they didn't play on two fronts, on three fronts that year. This is, um, as you said, the losses, and I think one of those major losses is Kevin Prince Boateng. I think that's, I think he's 
a little bit more valuable than maybe people giving credit for. I think that you're absolutely right in the fact that if you're an Eintracht Frankfurt fan, you have to be a little bit worried because I think if you sort of go into the if you sort of go in with the mindset that hey we're gonna we're gonna enjoy the Europa League kind of like Cologne last year where you say it, it's been a while we're gonna enjoy it and you know it is what it is if we advance we advance but we're not going to we're not we're not gonna we're not going to to um, cut off our nose to spite our face so in other words the most important thing is survival in the Bundesliga I think we both agree on that yeah definitely so. I think they have to focus on the league first and whatever comes, comes. I wouldn't be surprised if they're sitting like 11th after the season's over. Something like that. Oh, in 11th place? Yeah. Well, I think they'd be fine with that. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, that's kind of what I think maybe the realistic expectation for this club should be this yeah. year. But, yeah. So yeah. do you think, so basically, do you do you think that Frankfurt, what, what mindset do you think Frankfurt takes towards Europe? Do you think that they try to compete and see, see how far they can get with the horses they have? Or do you think that they say, look, you know, we'll, um, we'll go and we'll play. We'll, we'll take the three away trips. We'll play the three games at home. Our fans will enjoy having some teams play, you know, at the Comets Bank arena that normally don't come here. And whatever happens, happens. If we have the points to advance, we have the points to advance, but we're not going to use up all of our resources in order to secure a group stage, uh, excuse me, a, a, a knockout stage, in the Europa League because first and foremost, we have to secure the top 15 in the Bundesliga. In some sense, I, I would be sympathetic with them if they did try to go all out in the Champions League just because this is such a massive shift in terms of um, attitude about this team that's taking place just in the matter of two months. I mean, look at the way they ended up at the end of the season. They're, they're fighting they're fighting for Europe. Um, they knock Bayern out in uh, the DFB Pokal final, and they're feeling really good about themselves, right? Like, you know, they, they, they had a really good season, and they just knocked out the best team in the league in, in, a, in a cup final, and they got some great players, and then just two months later, they don't have that coach. They don't have half those players, and uh, it just it, I, feel for the, I feel for the fan base is what I'm saying because I, I feel like, you know, the future is so bright for them just a couple months ago in some sense, and now they have to kind of temper their expectations a little bit again. Yeah, I agree. Well, uh, that's going to wrap it up for our uh, summer so far. I guess you could call it our summer so far transfers here in the Bundesliga. Uh, there have been some, there have been some interesting ones. There have been some ones that uh, could still happen that really kind of have the attention of a lot of people, uh, especially as it pertains to Bayern. There's so many rumors swirling around that club, as we said before. Uh, remains to be seen what happens. But in a few weeks' time, we will have a full Bundesliga season preview. So we're going to preview from one to eighteen here on the Kings of Europe. We're going to go right down the list. We're going to focus mainly on the top seven because that's really what is important as far as European play. The middle of the table, as they call in Germany, the Skala Mittelfeld. So kind of the, the forgotten souls. We'll, 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 we'll touch on those teams, but also the bottom three we will give a, a good amount of attention to because the drop is always interesting. The Bundesliga has always, year in, year out, say what you want about the, um, the title race. The Bundesliga has one of the best relegation races in all of Europe. I mean, it, it seems like it comes down to the final match day every single season. And I think that was, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, was that was it Ham, Ham, Hamburg last season, Jack, that uh, 
where the fans set the stadium on fire there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, not not a good way to go out for them, definitely. Right. You know, a, a, a club that proud, uh, you know, some some pretty shameful displays from from the fans there. But uh, yeah, but it made yeah. it exciting between them and Wolfsburg. It came, it did come down to the final match day. Yeah, it really did. Schalke did everything in their power to save them with that <laughs> last late in the season. So. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, so Jack, real quick, um, tell people real quick what's gonna go be what's gonna be going on with the Schalke podcast. When are you guys starting back up? Yeah. So Richard Carmen and I, Richard is the uh, the founder and and the co-host of, of that program. Uh, we do the FC Schalke podcast. Uh, we've been on summer break for the last couple months or so, but uh, luckily. Uh, Critty has kept me in podcasting shape, although I I was forgetting a lot of names today. I don't know, but uh, I've been able to yeah, you need to get, going this, get this the textbook out, my friend. Better get that textbook out. Yeah, right, right. Uh, Richard and I will hopefully be starting up back soon. Maybe maybe an episode this weekend, even um, as we kind of kick things off for the season. But uh, yeah, that's a weekly Schalke podcast. That's kind of all things Schalke match recaps, all that all that kind of good stuff. So uh, we'll be getting back into that soon, and uh, we'll be with you throughout the season. Absolutely, my friend. Hey, thank you so much. It was last notice. My good friend here, Jack Mangan, came on. He is fantastic as far as everything Bundesliga goes. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he watches it. He pays attention to it. Expert on Schalke, no fear, despite some of the name glitches tonight. So we'll, we'll forgive him for Bastion that. Bastion Ochipka. That's yeah, Bastion Ochipka. Don't, don't forget that, man. Um, but yeah, I really want to thank him. Good friend of mine, uh, him and Richard both. And um Cannot wait to, to to go into a full season with you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks as always. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And every, to everyone else, take care. Have a good night. We'll see you next time.